G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. An update today on one of the disturbing elements of society in India that continues today in our modern 21st century. In thousands of locations across parts of India, young girls are dedicated to a temple goddess and trapped in a life of ritualised sexual abuse. They suffer from HIV, AIDS, alcohol and substance abuse, poverty, depression and marginalisation at every level. These girls are known as Jogini girls, who come from the lowest caste in India, the Dalit people, who were previously known as the untouchables. Kate is the CEO of the Dignity Freedom Network and just back from India. Hello, Kate. Welcome back to 2020. Thanks, Neil. Hi. Kate, uh, you're still recovering from your journey. How long were you over in India this time? This time we were just back there for a week, so we haven't been since the COVID outbreak. So it's just amazing to be back on the ground and to see the team and to go out into the villages. And the work you're doing is substantial across a lot of different uh, regions in India where this sort of practice continues. Uh, Over the years now, you've seen a lot of women especially empowered because of your good work. Absolutely. It was just so encouraging to see the women who have been part of the program for the last few years really stepping into their you know, God-ordained inherent dignity and worth and, and having confidence and smiling and just seeing the restoration that's happening in the lives of these women and girls. It's, it's just absolutely so humbling to be a part of this. People, when you talk about this, can hardly believe that this practice goes on insofar as the temple worship that I was talking about. How substantial is the problem as it is an overhang? So the the work that we're involved in is in around 3,000 villages and it's in southern India, in Karnataka, Telangana and Andhra Pradesh are the three states where this practice happens. Um, It could be in a lot more villages than that but because people know that it's an illegal practice and so you don't necessarily uh, get the full picture when you ask questions but around 3,000 villages in that region is, is what we've ascertained. So you're working with the girls and you've got a whole different level of advocacy. It's about trying to change the culture. The laws have changed, but it's hard to get that culture change. That's right, Neil. But I think one of the things that I really noticed this time was, I think, so a picture was painted. I walked into one of our schools. We were meeting with one of the principals. And this is a school that's in this particular region. And so a number of the students who attend this school are students that have been rescued from this kind of practice and are now safely at home. But some of the women who have been uh, Joganese for many years came into the room and it was really interesting to see all of the men leaders at this school stand up, move to the back of the room, offer the women their chairs and in fact go and get extra chairs for some of the women when there weren't enough chairs. And to see these men treating these women with dignity and respect was just so encouraging, but also to see the women embrace that, sit down in the chairs and and really 
be comfortable in in recognising that this was a nice gesture that these men made, but it, it just, to me, was a picture of the transformation that's happening at a very deep and significant level within this particular community. And just to mention that you've got something like 97 schools that you've started across so many of these different states in India, Uh, 97 schools, and as you say, a lot of them have these girls that have come out of uh, this context that we're talking about, the Joe Guinea girls. That's correct. So the 97 schools are mainly for both Dalit children but also other backward caste Muslims, those who are on the the outer side of the community and marginalised in their villages. But uh, a number of the schools are in this region, so they actually cater for uh, backward caste children, but also there's a number of the Jogany children who are coming to the schools. We mentioned it's unbelievable that ritualised abuse happens like it does in those thousands of communities across India. But uh, these cultural traditions, they're hard to change, aren't they? And I guess you're, you've got to work generationally. Yes, it was really interesting again. So this particular meeting I was referring to, these are the Jogany village leaders. So they go back into their villages and they're advocating themselves to bring this practice to an end. And so we're in around 300 villages now that we actually have an active presence working in this particular area. And it's all nationally led and run, indigenously run. And it's these women themselves who are leading, they're the driving force And so when we ask them, what's the situation like in your villages now after you've been working there for some years? And they are the ones telling us that the practice is actually starting to come to a stop and there are far less dedications even happening in their village and a much more uh, general acceptance that the practice is wrong and that the whole village needs to get behind bringing it to an end. So for us, it's not just about rescuing one girl here or one girl there. It's about actually seeing this whole cultural practice come to an end uh, while esteeming these women and providing them with all the help that they need. So as there is slow, gradual cultural change, it must be getting a little easier to get girls out of that abuse? Yes, so even when we were there this last week, we saw or we met with 35 new girls who were being groomed for this life. And so they had been identified in their village to be dedicated in this way. But because we've got these village leaders and because we've got... uh, a whole network of social workers and healthcare workers working together. These are the most at-risk girls that were at the point of being dedicated. And so I met these 35 girls. They've only been uh, living away from their village for one week and many of them have already experienced all sorts of unmentionable abuse and they're getting the health care, they're getting counselling, they're getting prayer counselling um, and they're being integrated into one of our schools and, and getting tutoring at the moment so that they'll be up to speed when they actually join the school. Um, but to see them and to understand or appreciate what's been rescued from and that they won't ever have to go through that whole life of abuse but instead have the opportunity to dream big dreams and step into whatever it is that God's got planned for them was again so moving, deeply, deeply moving. Kate, you've heard some good stories, no doubt, from those 35 young women that you've come across just in this past week. Uh, There must be something in their whole outlook, a, a hope for the future that means that I don't have to go back to what I was before. It is a long journey and I think at the moment it's it's very surreal for them and uh, they'll be dealing with a whole lot of of different emotions of uh, 
recognising what they've been rescued from, what their opportunities are. And yet, of course, knowing that at this stage they won't be living in their village and it's a whole new life living in a city as well. So there'll be a whole mixture of emotions for them. But one one of the really special things that happened was we met with some of the girls who have been living in our homes for uh, many years. And in fact, one of them was sharing with me. I've met her many times over the years. She's graduated from high school. She's gone on to university. She studied Bachelor of Commerce. And she said, um, could I pray for her? Because she was starting a job today, her first real job um, as a qualified, graduated, you know, commerce uh, student. And so I'm just so proud of her and to see how she walks with poise, with dignity, with assurance, with confidence and knowing who she is in Christ as well. You know, it's just amazing uh, the transformation that can happen in the lives of these young girls. Is it the case, Kate, that over the years when you've seen these young women released from the sort of ritualised abuse we talk about, that they've actually become a part of your teams? Have you been able to integrate many of those girls into teams that are, are helping others get free? Absolutely. So this young girl, she's graduated with a commerce degree, so she's working in that industry. But some of the girls have graduated with nursing degrees or uh, pharmacy degrees, and they're actually joining our healthcare teams and coming back and working with our team there. And others are graduating as teachers, and they're joining our schools. So some of them we've met, they're now teaching English and environmental studies at some of our schools. So it really depends what degree that they've gone on to. But even this young girl, so she lives in a hostel near the university, but on her weekend she comes back to the shelter home so she can be with these young girls and mentor them and see them I guess sort of in the role of big sister you know she's been living with them for years and now she's out and she's an adult but she still comes back and invests in the lives of these young girls You've got 97 schools and there's also dozens and dozens of health clinics that you're operating give us an update on those health clinics so we've had um, a hospital and some uh, like four or five uh, general health clinics around the country. But during COVID, of course, we've all experienced the issues here. Uh, but in India, it's just been a whole different level. But because we've got 97 schools, we own the buildings, we own the land that they're built on. And particularly with the lockdowns in India, these schools were then being used for both food distribution to um, people in abject poverty, but also as telehealth clinics. So if we've got a health worker in each school, uh, they were able to connect through telehealth with doctors back in some of the major hubs and provide healthcare to many marginalised communities that just really have very, very little access to any kind of healthcare at all. And then because they live in the area, they speak the local language, they've been able to provide health pathways and ongoing care to those in their villages. So it's just a really holistic ministry that impacts the community in ways we just couldn't imagine. No doubt, Kate, there's always room for another friend or two. And you've got some dinners that are coming up for the Dignity Freedom Network. Uh, Let me go through this list here and I'll get your insights about what these dinners do. You've got one coming up in Brisbane on the 31st of August. Then on the 1st of September on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland, the 10th of September in Melbourne, one of those that's going to be live streamed for listeners around the nation, September 15th in Ballin in New South Wales, September 16th in Sydney and September 17th in Adelaide. What do you hope to achieve with those dinners? Well, we've got so many faithful supporters around the country and particularly during lockdown we weren't able to meet with them face to face. So the first thing we want to do is is see um, our friends, our partners, 
thank them, let them know what's happening, provide updates on the healthcare, updates on the trafficking issues, updates on our schools, and just give them an idea of what they've sewn into and how impacting it is. And of course, we'd love to see more people come along. So I mentioned we're in 300 villages. We've got 97 schools. We'd love to be in 400 villages. We'd love to you know, have over 100 schools. We'd love to have more health clinics. And so we're always looking at ways to engage with people, tell the story, and basically from Proverbs 31, be a voice for those who have no voice. So there'll be videos from India. There'll be interviews with some of the team in India. And just, there'll be a lot of fun, actually. They're going to be really great dinners. Um, we always just love to esteem our partners. And so it'll be a great way of reconnecting and telling the story. Fun dinners, but a very serious focus, of course, rescuing and getting those Jogini girls free from ritualised abuse. They come from the lowest caste in India, the Dalit people, previously known as the Untouchables, and the work of the Dignity Freedom Network. CEO Kate is leading that work just back from India. Those dinner dates that are coming up, Brisbane the 31st of August, 1st of September, Sunshine Coast, 10th of September in Melbourne, 15th of September in Ballina, 16th in Sydney and the 17th in Adelaide. Here's how you can be a part of those dinners. dfn.org.au That stands for Dignity Freedom Network. dfn.org.au Kate, thanks so much for the update today on 2020. Great. Thanks, Neil. Thanks for all your support. We really appreciate it. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.